Sentire Media All right, thank you very much. Hey, look at who's back. <laughs> Our very sporadic uh, podcast from Italy. It's the 13th of December, 7th something in the morning on a overclassed, warm, blustery winter's day. Yes. Uh, we were awoken by the dogs this morning at a ungodly five something for the little one to pee. So everyone's been walked, fed. The chickens are fed. The cows are f- the pigs are fed. And everyone's back to cats. sleep. So we thought finally we should try to fire up these bikes. We've had them on the table for about a week now thinking we're going to do a podcast and not having time. So let's give it a shot. Welcome back. We should reset. Okay. Welcome to our Farming and Cooking School at Tavolo Marque in our little Slice of Life podcast, podcast from Italy. We really have been sporadic in doing this the last couple of years because it just seems like everyone does a podcast now and I've run out of our own stories. I'm bored (laughs) with our our own stories. Well, let's recap the summer. Let's start there. Well, we can do that. The summer was, uh, the season went. Well, it was a great busy season. Baptism. Uh, we became godparents. Uh, we did, had a surprise wedding. There was tons of family reunions and 60th birthdays. And it was great with the guests. And Jason was busy. And my Aunt Lisa came out, which was fun. Um, <laughs> and got oh, to go. Aunt Lisa came. <laughs> I know. Um, and uh, Jason had some projects he was working on. Yeah, we got the stall uh, for the animals built down in the pig area. This is no just like simple stall. Well, it's just a roof, and it still doesn't have walls. True, yet. but it's <laughs> I kind of pe- I kind of petered out. I know, but it's beefy. Um, so we have to decide. We'll get more into the animal talk later. But uh, how big is the stall? The stall is six meters by four meters. Okay, so it's a good size. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no joke. Plus, we built a, a agricultural tunnel. Uh, yeah, like a big tent. Uh, prefab tent thing to keep like uh, equipment, equipment hay. hay and that sort of thing so it's it's getting there uh down there the pigs this um autumn has decided to take my beautiful french drain that drains all the water coming off the little hill behind that the cement pad that was done um over the summer over the summer and cover it with dirt so that the water doesn't seep into the rock and go away it just kind of floats over the dirt and goes Back onto the cement pad. Awesome. Awesome. It's like they knew what they were doing. I've I've fixed it twice now, and I'm just going to wait until after we slaughter the pigs to fix it the third time because it's useless. How were the pigs over the summer? The pigs were great. They're my buddies. It's going to be tough to... um, to see him go this winter, but we'll get more into that later, I guess. <laughs> um, those, the, let's see. The things in the garden. The season was strange. We were in wearing jeans in uh, June. June, early June, and we had tomatoes until almost November. So it w- everything was kind of like a month pushed. Yeah, and just warm and windy. It was the fall was the freaking windiest I can never remember. I, we, we would wake up or late at night go and check to make sure that the agricultural tent was still there because it was like, oh, my God, this is just sustained wind. Yeah. It was not like, oh, windy day here or there. It was like just weeks, a, on, a, yeah, weeks. weeks of just strong wind. Just wind burned outside. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, calmed down now. We had a good freeze a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, but mm-hmm. it, the mild weather returned again. And, um, yeah, it's 
12 degrees outside this it's morning. It's weird. We'll go from like negative 5 in the morning to 12 or 13 in the morning. It is all over the place. But talk of town is still snow. Talk of town. I hope so. So um, let's get into it. Start on the list. We made a little list. Let's talk about it. Oh, speaking of the summer, here's one that was a fun... Okay, we take Leroy out super early because it would get so hot and then way late at night. Leroy the Giant Great Dane. Yes. Um, And so in the summer, I thought, oh, great. Always an idea is to walk the river back home or walk into the river for part of the walk because it's just kind of fun. In the summer, you wait till the water gets low enough and um, just have some like tennies on or something that you're just going to get wet and go. So it was like, all right, let's do it. We're, we're going through. I'm making all this noise because I'm still nervous for other animals, but also I'm really focused on snakes because there are vipers and snakes in the river at times. So I was just like watching for snakes the entire time. Then we are getting so close to the house that I'm thinking, whoa, we are going to make it all the way back. And I don't know how many feet in front of me because I'm terrible with this, but just up ahead, I'm, I'm looking up. And a gigantic boar comes out from the side of the river edge into the river, looks straight at us, and I just scream. And I just go, <laughs> And I probably scared it more than it scared me. Turned on my heel, ran with uh, Leroy all the way back to the next spot where you could get out of the river because this is now summer, so it's overgrown on the edges, not in the winter where you can really get through when everything's died away. So it's like we have to run way back around another couple bins to get uh, of the river to get to where the tractors cross, and it was like, oh my god. Oh my God. And I totally freaked out. It was super exciting, but super terrified. And I thought, what the hell do I do? Do we, we were talking about getting like mace or then Jason was cracking up going, you would end up just spraying yourself, which is totally true. No, it, well, <laughs> if the board jumps out at you, you don't really have time to get it out of your po- Hold one moment, please, while yeah. I get out my protection. Exactly. So then we were thinking about like a horn something. And I know. And then we decided. Um, a simple solution right now is to have Leroy run around with a bell on, which a lot of the hunting dogs do to scare away some of the porcupine, the boar, things like that. If you hear his dingle dangle in the woods, the animals tend to kind of uh, retreat a bit. But Jason saw a ton of different boar trucks, and you guys almost came upon a pack of boar. You saw him in the field one time. We, I've seen, yeah, we see animals. Well, we go. He likes to go with sun up and sundown, so mm-hmm. we see a lot of we see a lot of uh, different animals going around. Now that the hunting season's in full effect, it's been honestly less. We'd see lots of deer in the spring, in the summer, and we'd see boar tracks all over the place, uh, porcupine quills everywhere, but um, not so much now. <laughs> no. If it's moving, it's No, I talked to one shot. of the hunters yesterday in town, and he said they had already gotten 60 boar from along our valley here um, since, I believe it. like, There's... what, October? Yeah, October 1st it started. Uh-huh. There's, uh, the boar make terrible, they... They dig into the fields and make these big pools where they go and hang out, and terrible, terrible damage. They to create them. like mud ponds. Yeah, uh huh. It's it is so much damage. But um, speaking of the hunters, they love Leroy. Leroy is the hit of the valley this year again. Last year he was a puppy, so um, <clears throat> he. So they like kind of saw him, but he wasn't as. We weren't as um, all over the place. Correct. Yeah, and now. <laughs> 
down and where you go in the woods and some old guy stops you and wants to take a picture because he's been telling his wife about how big the dog is. Oh, oh, can you get a picture with me of the dog? I took him into town a week or so ago and we're walking through the little park. It's totally empty. It's kind of drizzly rain. And at that little park in Piobico, there is, um, I don't know, would you call it a water fountain? Well, the where the water comes off from the mountain. A spring. Like a, a, spring. a place to fill up water bottles. Exactly. Yeah. And they've made a really beautiful little spot for it and stuff. So I'm walking him through there. And some old guy stops me and he goes, is this the dog from Kakamone, the name of our house? And I said, yes, <laughs> the one and only. And he goes, oh, I've seen him before. And he yells at his like eight-year-old kid, get, your, get the phone. Take a picture of me with the dog. Get a picture of me with the dog. Okay. Now, sit it to your brother. Sit it to your brother. I don't know how to do that. Do, do you want a picture with the dog? And it's like he's become a little mascot. Um, with the hunters for sure. And some of them are terrified of him because he's so gigantic, but most of them just stop and Cabello. One old guy said his ears were like cashmere. I loved it. Well, we were very, I, I love that dog. He's awesome. Giant Great Dane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what other animal updates? We got a puppy. We got, we got a, a puppy. We got a, a buddy for Leroy, the, the Maggie Moo. Uh, we got a tiny, she was tiny. Uh, now she's a little bit, she's three months old now. We got her a month ago. She's about. a cream, an English cream golden retriever. And she is freaking fucking bonkers. <laughs> she, totally different dog. I know. Leroy was a size, of, like, he was three months old when we got him. And what looked like the size of a full grown medium sized dog. Yeah. And his movements were very deliberate when he got up or sat down. He was used to the crate training because uh, Great Danes have to rest after they eat. And he was at a place where they definitely did that and had them in different um, uh, runs, if yeah. you will, whatever. Where she, Maggie, the little puppy, was just still puppy pile. And she just, not only is she just floppity and just whatever, loses all bodily control and rolls down hills and all this stuff, but she just, she just is a bit different. Like, she wants to be around you more than he did. She, she, we have fought the crate since the first day. She's, be, of course, Leroy loved now. it. Um, but yeah, she, she, she also, she's a, she's a yapper, Ooh. which we've been trying to solve. She barks at this pitch that sends, Anger down my spine. Jason was calling her the terrorist for a while, for a week or two. It's just this. I don't know what it is. When when Leroy barks, it is a deep, and it's one. It's uh-huh. you know he doesn't bark like yap 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 yap. Oh, she. We're working on it. We're working on it, but that's something we have to we have to work out of her because I hate we we all do. Oh yeah, no one's happy about that. Um, but it means Leroy wants to stay closer to home because during the fall with the hunters, there was. A month, let's call it, where all these freaking dogs were in heat. And he would just take off for like two hours, three hours into the woods and just go look for the ladies. The power. (laughs) It was powerful, I'll tell you what. But thankfully, guys, it is all settled down. So enough of the dogs. The dogs are doing well. Um, Animal updates on the pigs. The pigs are are coming to the end. I think it's January. We're going to slaughter them. Uh, I have one of the local butchers is going to help me out, and then we will take the parts that we want to get cured into prosciutto or lunza or whatever we're going to do. We'll take that up to Aquapartita, the hunter's hideaway, because they have a whole setup, and they, they have all these different chambers. They can put, They're professionals at it. I don't they really ha- feel like ruining it. No, they have um, set up. 
for people who haven't been up there, um, a series of fridges, <laughs> a series of, let's call them walk-in refrigerators at different temperatures and humidities. And the whole idea is, it is to replicate the feel of winter. So, which is when you would, they traditionally would cure the meats here. So, um, they've got the whole setup and they've got a beautiful place. Um, this big, long wooden, um, walk-in where they can do long-term storage for things like the prosciuttos and big pieces that we prosciuttos need about a year and a half and i don't obviously have anywhere to keep them and the last uh two the last two times i've done the sausages and salamis over the winter i it's been ruined because the air temperature was too warm in the yeah too warm so i'm not going to mess around with it this year it took too long to raise these pigs and too much care we're going to take all the parts that we want to age like that cure. cure and send them up there the only thing i want to do myself at home is i want to make real bacon Ooh. we have pancetta here but it's not bacon bacon is oh has sugar in it and it's slightly smoked they don't really do pancetta like that they'll age they'll cure it in the salt but it's not the same not only bacon but mama wants some ham oh yeah <laughs> ashley wants ashley wants me to but ashley, okay prosciutto's everywhere Yes, great. We'll do one prosciutto, but I want. Well, I'm not going to take the whole. No, leg. the culatella. Yeah, we'll take a we'll take one of the muscle groups and we'll make a ham like yes. a traditional country. That ham is not it. found out no, here. Not really. So that's the plan for the. Um, we're going to slaughter them at home, and it's a lot better for the animals. And we're allowed to do we're allowed to do uh, up to four a year, I think, at home. And the neighbor down the road does his pigs over the winter at home, so he can help out. And transport's going to be interesting mm-hmm. because. We have to slaughter them and then let them hang out and bleed out for, I think, 12 hours, and that'll be done outside. That's why we're doing it. We'll use the, um, we'll use one of the crossbeams cross beams of the of the barn I just built to string them up. And um, our Dutch neighbor's clicker. Yep, with the one of those Crick. cricks. And then how do we get it? Either I have to get it into sections here, or do I just bring the whole thing up to Aqua Partita splayed open? Uh, and loaded into the van, but this pig weighs—I don't even know how much. The big boy's a big boy. Big boy, yeah, he's got a big ass on him. I don't even know how you would know how. We won't know until the end. Yeah, that's true. We won't know until the end. That's crazy. And it'll be minus all the mm-hmm. all the entrails and stuff. Mm-hmm. So whatever, we'll figure that out. Um, we're going to do it af- between after New Year's because that's when all the butchers kind of slow down. Um, uh, obviously cr- between Christmas and New Year's is not a good time. And it's, uh, it's just, I'm just going to work around like two weeks, one way or the other, isn't going to make a huge bit of difference. So I'll just do it when everyone has a moment free. And that's usually after New Year's between New Year's and the epiphany, um, the sixth. January 6th. So it'll be, I'll be sad to see them. all. I can't do it. I definitely can't do the, the, pull the act, trigger. Pull the, no, 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 because they've become, you boop them. They boop you. They boop you. me. They come up every morning when I go to feed them. They come up to the fence and they know my voice and I give them boops. And then we all run over to the trough and they have much more personality than I thought they would have. It was within two weeks you were like, I can't kill these guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but this isn't a, uh, this isn't an animal sanctuary. We've spent a ton of money, raise, time and money raising them and they're going to be delicious. They got really good, like 
They're going to be good. Well, speaking of Animal Sanctuary, one of the, the reason you built the barn or the stall to begin with was for a cow. For a milk cow. Yeah, I've always wanted Any of the guests that came cow. this year, I was like, that's where the milk cow's going. Okay, so then we built the stall, got everything, and then when you sit, when I sat down with a pen and paper and said, all right, how is this, how are we going to, um, how is this going to work? What is it going to cost? Blah, 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 blah. Um, obviously, the cost is, is a lot because we don't have any of the infrastructure. So that I understand. It's the time. So what I didn't, a couple of things I didn't realize. One is... Um, the fee, the type of grass you give the cow is is fundamental. I mean, grass in, milk out. So the reason why you find um, these areas where great milk is produced is because they have great grass for the cows to eat. Same with these pigs. These are chintisinese. They're finished off. They were raised in uh, or used to be under the oak trees and all of the little nuts and oaks or acorns they would eat and help make them so sweet and delicious. So it's so obviously so much about what they ate, but we hadn't really thought I, about I, that. I, all around here is nothing but fields of grass growing for animals. So it's like, yeah, great. And what I didn't realize is that, yes, we have we have hay for, for the meat producing cows but they the ones that produce milk obviously need more nutrients when you look at like we have alfalfa growing around here and when you see the alfalfa um in the spring flowering there'll be a smattering of the purpley flowers mm-hmm. that alfalfa has and then you look from like the Piemonte region or, or up in the alps or up in the alps and it's a field of the purpley flowers the the grass is so much richer. greener and richer and that's what you need to make it's not just a question of getting the the type of cow the the correct type and bringing them down here you also have to um Take into consideration. Take into consideration the, the feed. So now there's always workarounds, right? I can always buy a year's worth of this good grass and have it shipped down, and but now I have to store. It's just another. <laughs> it's another step in complication that I didn't realize because I'm an idiot and a noob and look out and say, well, there's a field in front of my house of alfalfa that's growing. Where, uh, eat it. Eat it. <laughs> and yes, she'll produce milk, but well, she's not going to produce the milk that I want that I have in my head. And it, why do all this if it's exactly. just going to produce milk? Yeah, that's it's okay. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> um, so that's one problem. Second problem is the... Uh, not the milking of the cow twice a day, but the processing of the milk. So it's not a big deal when we have no one here to to pro- to homogenize it or process it into butter or whatever you're going to do with it. But milking is one thing. It's 20 or 30 minutes twice a day. And, and okay, you can work that into your day. But then what do I do when I have cooking classes and, and breakfast for 20 and all that? And I'm looking at 50 liters of milk just spoiling i know we still need guests to pay for the cow the, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the thing we have to have one cow you really can't and then that's you really one cow's not enough to make a production of anything to sell it's a lot for a family or mm-hmm. it's a lot for for two people it's way too much for two people but um it's a lot it's not enough to like say oh well we'll just make butter and sell the you know sell some butter it's you need five cows to have enough to make butter to sell. So it was... The reality started to set in. Of It's a fun idea. It's a great idea. I love that Jason has these crazy curiosities of things like this he wants to do. <laughs> but what is the reality And there's always it? workarounds all these problems. Well, you can keep the calf on the cow and the cow, the calf can 
eat the milk and then you don't have as much milk to process. Okay. It's just when you start putting never put thing never put dreams on paper. Because <laughs> <laughs> never put the, the the reality of your dream onto paper because then you look at for we would never be here if we No, I, that's not true. I tell the consulting guests our clients all the time to write stuff out or with like for the properties and things like that, what they really want versus what they need. Yeah. So so when you put it down on paper and you think about well how would my day go? Milking a cow, taking care of the other animals that we have, walking the dog, t- tending to a, a, a garden, and giving guests the the experience that they have paid for and deserve. I other than starting to hire a bunch of staff, which and we're so remote that just becomes difficult. Also, so then it was like, well, Jason was like, well, I got this big stall. What am I going to do with it? And so then the next idea, which was short lived, but was a draft horse. <laughs> <laughs> because we can't find a freaking tractor that's small to maneuver. And, oh, that was still another thing with the cow. We still needed some machinery to be able well, yeah, to move Yeah, stuff. that's part of the huge investment that you re- never will see back on. You'll never see the return it's back It's not just it. building some stalls and infrastructure that way. It was also No, we need... we, the, the bale. So if I buy the hay, the hay comes in giant 500 kilo bales. How do you move that? You need a big tractor with a fork on the front to move the bale and then you need a place to store all that so if you're not going to if we're not going to store it on the property somewhere we and store it uh somewhere around town with someone who has already has barn space great now how do i transport a 500 kilo round bale of hay even if the farm has a forklift how do you now it's to put it on now how do you get it off and yes we have the gigantic tractor from foosh but uh, it doesn't have a it doesn't have a fork on the front, and that thing is not. I'm not going to invest a bunch of money in no. putting that on there. Um, so finding a smaller tractor that has a fork on the front that can lift 750 kilos is not. And I, we love you guys that still listen to this podcast, even though we randomly do it. But please don't feel the need to send us some like awesome small tractors from the states that don't cost that much because we know they exist, but they just don't really exist here. Or yeah. they're super expensive here. <laughs> yes, because there, no one really. There's not that market so much for it. If you want a giant tractor mm-hmm. with a fork on the front, that's not a problem. But that medium sized is more of a problem. They do exist in Europe, but I'm not going to France to get one. Or I understand Spend fifty grand, fifty grand to get one, and I'm not. I, I don't want to do that. So uh, the the so the we then we th- so we thought draft horse draft horse. Oh, <laughs> First of all, a draft horse will match my dog perfectly. It'll size, they'll size right. Yes, they're of the same size. They're of the same cut. Uh-huh. Um, and draft horse, I just think draft horses are beautiful. I'm not into riding a horse, but a draft horse that could pull a cart or could plow a field or, um, you know, I have these dreams, right? I'm a <laughs> suburb kid from the suburbs who doesn't know sh- anything about anything, and it's like, yeah, that looks fun. This is Jason's version of a midlife crisis. Uh. <laughs> Well, again, now you start thinking, I thought a horse once it, okay, we'll get a trained horse that already knows what he's doing. Yeah. So we, I didn't understand. So then I start doing research and it's like, no, a horse is not like a machine that once it, you know, that shuts it, off and turns on normally. normally and does the same job over and over. You have to train, you have to keep the training up with the horse. And, um, so he, you need to still like, uh, tack him up and work him every few days and all of this. And then Jason was also realizing, watching a bunch of these YouTube videos, 
most often there's not just one horse. No, <laughs> there's not. I mean, you not really do you see just one horse plowing a field. It's usually two horses pulling a cart or two horses plowing a field. And I don't want two horses. Mm-hmm. I want a horse and a couple of goats to keep the horse company. So we've amended that idea. <laughs> And we're back to the original, original idea is start with a donkey, <laughs> get a donkey and get some little goats. And, um, our neighbor has goats. He's got a hilarious menage of animals down the road from goats and geese to dogs to, um, I don't even know what else he's got. It just depends on what day you drive by. So we're going to talk to him about getting, um, a couple little baby goats for the spring. And then Jason has had a hankering for a donkey for a long time anyway and those are easy to find now the only problem with a donkey is they have a super long life expectancy yeah, donkeys live forever i didn't <laughs> like realize 40 years. to 60 some donkeys can live 60 years and they make this crazy donkey noise well the, i think i could get over some of that the okay. pigs made a ton of noise and stuff too in different ways but the but 60 years, <laughs> holy shit. So we got to get a middle-aged donkey or something that... <laughs> but I built this stall. What the hell <laughs> am I going to do with it? That's what's also hilarious. But I still want a milk cow. We'll see. Maybe one day we'll win the lottery or... Well, you have to play the lottery. But one day maybe someone somehow will we'll find a uh, a field of oil under... Uh, oil reserve underneath one of these fields and you never know and get to have a milk no cow. it'll be fracking <laughs> God. um so what, what else with the garden we did something different for the first time um and planted a thousand saffron bulbs it, they were like small like what would gigantic pieces of garlic like what would you say they, they were tiny we thought they'd look more like um they were large they were the largest you could get but they were still a we circumference thought they would be more like tulip bulbs that exactly. size and they were not no. they were more like um an unshelled almond size sure something like that um and you can plant them extremely close together we didn't plant them close together enough no um we spaced them out too much i think so the next round i'll do them but they're we got them from here from within italy and you plant, um, them, you plant exactly. them over the summer um they shipped them to us at like end of august or something no, mid-august no end of july i planted them in august oh okay um you just make you hill up the earth um and then you Plant them really tight together and um, about, I don't know, uh, 10 centimeters down. So like three, four inches down. And then um, do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Don't water them? Don't water them. Don't do anything. You just leave them. And once the spring, the rains come of the autumn, sorry, (laughs) um, that waters them in. And um, they start. And if you didn't get like a good heavy rain. Yeah, there was a date that if you didn't get any water by this date, go ahead and irrigate. But we got water by by whatever. I think it was the end of September or something. And I think we got a good storm in late September. Um, Yeah, we did. Um, and then up comes. Oh, and you had overflowed the cistern. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I left the pump on one, one day and overflowed the cistern, and it flooded the whole top of the garden where the uh, saffron, saffron is. is. So I guess that was a good water. Done and too. done. <laughs> um, they come up in like October. You start seeing these little mm-hmm. fingers that almost look like a, like a grassy type. Yeah. Exactly. Type thing. And then followed by the flowers. The flowers come in the in, overnight. Um, you have to pick them. Be- this is the most serious way to do it. 
This is the only way to do it. Well, if no, you when you let... read other sites, they don't say that. Okay. If I didn't do this, then I, I would come out to flowers that were just melted. Exactly. So this is the way to do it. So you have to pick them that morning. If it rains, um, you, you'll have damage to the flowers. They'll start melting away. And the little saffron, um, what would you call them? The, the pistol? No, is it the pistol? Stamen? Or... Stamen? The They're little... called threads. Threads. There you go. The little saffron threads would fall away from the plant and blend on the dirt and mud. And now it's just a pain to pick them up. So it's best if you get them, if you want dry weather, you have to get them before the sun hits them. If the sun hits them, then the sun just makes those flowers wilt away and it degrades the saffron. Mm -hmm. So it was easy to plant and cultivate. It was a pain in the butt to, to, uh, not a pain in the butt. We only had thousands. But a thousand bulbs, each bulb was three flowers. Each bulb had three flowers. Mm-hmm. So, and they would come up in chunks. And there was like a big push like in the waves. middle. Waves. There was a little bit at first and then a, a big middle wave. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of started to peter out. And the weather got bad. Yeah. We got a lot more rain. And it, was, it wasn't even worth like picking up these muddy threads. But all in so all. So he would come up with like buckets of. Yeah, like a bucket at a, like a, uh-huh. like a bucket at a time of flowers. And I would sit there at breakfast or different times and um, pluck out the threads. The flowers are beautiful and they yep. have the <gasps> sweetest oh, smell. So such a good like floral. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this beautiful floral yeah. smell. It was really nice. Um, all that work for 17 grams of. Is that how much we actually got? We got 17 grams. That's a lot. No. Oh. Well. A kilo is a thousand grams. We got, we did okay. We got three tiny little jars. I thought we got 40 grams. No. Oh. Absolutely not. That would have looked a lot more. Yeah. Well, we're doing little Christmas presents (laughs) for them. So what do you do with it? Then you have to dry the threads. So Ashley stuck them on like uh, these little racks and let them just air dry. And then you have to cure them in glass jars. For about a month or so before you use it. And then we got these tiny little vials that we'll put uh, like a serving for four people uh, of the threads in and little boxes and kind of just Dude, it's give, Christmas them, give them away as our Christmas presents and save one little jar for ourselves. Because honestly, I don't use a lot That's of saffron. That's what I was just going to say. And hilariously, everyone's been like, oh, great. So what kind of recipes do you have for it? It's like a risotto. A risotto. <laughs> I guess you can do like a panna cotta with saffron. Is, would that be good? Or is it just the color? Like, I don't even know. I always think of it as savory. Um, but I don't know. No, you can absolutely use. Okay. There's, um, Maki does gelato with oh, saffron right. in it. And but the way you do this, we have to look into this because the way you use the threads is different than the powder, because the powder dissolves into everything, where the threads can stay thicker. So you either have to. You think of them like tea. You got to use them like tea almost. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, the th- well, the powder is just the the ones that fall apart that they grind up into a powder. Um. So, yeah, that was fun. And every other year you can dig them up and split them. So uh, we'll have one more year of a 1,000 bulbs, and then we'll see. Maybe next year we'll dig them up and uh, after next year we'll dig them up, split them, and now we'll have more. Or we can – it wasn't that much. It was a good test to do. Something different. Mm -hmm. I get bored with – Doing tomatoes and zucchini. And, and they're at the top of the garden, so you see the pretty flowers for, for you. I mean, it's a ton of work. But um, they grow in bad soil. Yeah, they, and rocky, poor uh-huh. soil. So it worked out great. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, this is the end of the big gardens. I'm done. I So he says. No, no. It's, it, I'm speaking it into the microphone. I'm writing myself. Speak a, truth. I'm writing myself <laughs> a letter, uh, a note. <laughs> 
it's 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 over. I don't need it's a bit much. I don't need three hundred tomato plants every year. I grow a whole pumpkin patch for nothing. For well, I love it, but the problem with pumpkins is he has to pull them early every year because somehow, well, some way, the porcupine find a way in and th- have hidden. Uh, then oh, I need to do better on my fencing. Well, and then we have to pull them all early because they start eating. We don't them. eat them. We don't eat them. But I love having them I everywhere. Fed, I, I understand, but I fed more pumpkins to pigs this year than we consumed. I know. Um, all the all the uh, zucchinis, all the the onions will keep. I love the onions. Oh, but yeah. um, just the the amount that we do every year is just I'm just ready to do other things than just tend to a garden all summer long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to do boxes. I want to do less less. Less quantity, but more quality. Like, can I take a third of the amount of tomatoes and see how much I can really get them to produce if we can control the soil? Instead of trying to uh, fertilize an entire, like, half an, half an hectare of uh, <laughs> soil, what if I had 12 large boxes and we'll go from there? Some things can't go in boxes, like onions have to go in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um uh, if we do corn or something, but we we do small amounts of that. Mm-hmm. It's really the the it's really the tomatoes. It's I always the it's tomatoes. always the, t- the tomatoes are the by far the most. We were so sick of them by the end of the season and the guests, and we had guests until the first week of November. Those freaking guests, <laughs> they couldn't handle it. They're like, we can't stand it. All those gorgeous tomatoes. I mean, we were feeding them, uh, like, serving tomatoes and different We've meals. We've jarred them all. We've jarred but them this year. Like, we're they, done. We're they done. went down um, one afternoon, and they all got together and picked a ton of the tomatoes and brought them back up. And they were like, we hope we didn't make too much work for you guys. But we just couldn't help, uh, you know see them on the vine and just want to come and pick them and it was like it was so nice of them but it was hilarious because we were just so like yeah if you want to go for it <laughs> it was like whatever yeah we were just sick of them they it seemed it like a, the pigs were sick of them the chickens were sick of them we had a we had a, it was a long tomato year it wasn't the greatest tomato year like the fruit wasn't the like most, uh-huh. most but incredible. because we didn't get a freeze or anything in yeah it. they just kept going mm-hmm. so uh garden is ugh, all the stuff all the crap is still in there i didn't pick up anything from the garden the poles are still down there the all the irrigation system is out this is, gd puppy is a ton of work I, I don't know how people do it um something else animal farm related you helped out our neighbor at the end of the year with the transumanza we did the transfer of the beasts the transumanza so in the spring we walked the yeah we walked the um cows from these barn up into the grazing fields. Uh, some of the grazing fields are on top of Monte Narone. Some are right here on top of uh, Monte Mangiore. And um, they walk them up there and leave them all summer long to graze and, and grass-fed. You know, not wild, but it's a huge, huge uh, um, preserve up there, if you will. Um, and in the autumn... Depending on t- the time of year, depends on how the grass is, and we had a um, wetter, lo- you know, warmer um, autumn. So the we came down late this year. We didn't. Ca- we came down in like middle November. of November. Yeah. Um, and it's Other a- years, it's October. And it's a fun morning, whether we're taking them from the stall up or from the fields down. Uh, you, it's crack of dawn. You get up there. We round up all the – We first we have to round up all the cows because they were broke off into two different uh, cliques, if you will. <laughs> 
um, and then get him. Uh, we're at the top of Monte Maggiore, Monte Maggiore, and you can see to the sea, and you see Monte Nerone, and you see, like, it's just the the panoramic view is absolutely incredible. It is freezing. The wind is blowing. Like we're dressed for it. The wind is blowing so hard that any amount of skin that's exposed instantly you feel it. Um, luckily, we're not up there a whole. For a long time, we start walking down almost immediately, and this is not walking down like a road. Um, there is a cow. There are cow trails, but the cows, like you know, you've seen uh, city slickers, right? We're, <laughs> except we're on foot. <laughs> now there are some horses. There are horses. There were ten horse, ten horsemen, five of which knew what they were doing, and five of which I thought I'm not going to get too close to that guy because he really doesn't look to me like he knows how to command a horse. And these horses were not prepared. No. The uh, four horses just quit. I think that, <laughs> that they wouldn't go anymore because they, walk, they walked them all the way up the hill. And then as we're going back down, it's, and it's not all downhill because we're kind of going up and over different things in through the Yeah, wood. wrangling the cows. Yeah. Um, four of them just quit. And I was talking to one guy, why why'd that horse quit? And it's because they don't work the horses. They leave the horse in the stalls and the stables, and they don't exercise them properly. So, like a person, they just can't they, – they're not in shape. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it was – it's just funny to see a horse quit. Like the guy pulling, like in a cartoon where they pull on the rein, like they get off the horse and start pulling the horse and the horse just doesn't want to move. That's uh -uh. it. Um, we had one poor cow that was so pregnant. She was waddling and she just couldn't, I don't know why we, they even made her try, but she made it about 30 minutes into the walk and then quit too. So they had to come back with the uh, tractor and get her on into the um, trailer and it's like she she was so so <laughs> pregnant like, her udders were like dragging on the ground her udders were dragging <laughs> on the ground when you walked behind her she was so her hips were so narrow and her belly was so wide i don't know why they even there's no way this is like a four or five hour walk it's not far as the crow flies at all you can it's really not but it's there's no direct route you have to go up and over the hill and down into the valley and back and up and over the hill and and um yeah she didn't do it poor thing <laughs> poor thing but it's a great it's it's a great um morning and then um I'll, some people stayed for lunch i was done and needed to come home and and help ashley out with these dogs so <laughs> i did not stay for lunch but it's a wonderful morning nonetheless and you get to feel part of like uh like you did something today like whoa we we brought the cows home minus one yeah it is it's a nice community thing too absolutely so the cows are safe and sound. They'll be there until probably Mayish. Yeah, into the bar, in the barn. Mm -hmm. right. And how many were there? Sorry, there were th thirty-two, I believe. Okay, and thirty or thirty-one made it home there. All right, not great. Like these aren't giant fat farms. No, right? no, 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 these are like small kind of small. Yeah, like forty is a big year for him. Or yeah, so, mm -hmm. so not cows. a ton. Um. So what else this autumn? Oh. There was, we were sold out and we will be again this year. So book early, but for the truffle festival weekends and our truffle hunting holidays. And it started off as a not great truffle year because of the rains didn't come at the right time. But, um, there were some truffles. They weren't super expensive because they weren't that great this year, but we still had a blast with the guests going and going hunting and going to the different truffle festivals. And this winter I ended up, or this fall 
at numerous different festivals and meals taking with the guests. And the first one always kicks off in a pecchio. And Jason came. My best friend's dad was in town um, with his sister who had taken over the farmhouse. And the ladies all went out for lunch. And we went with old Jerobal that evening into the festival. And um, it was great because you never know where you're going to eat. Like you go and make a reservation at one of these like cantinas or pop-up restaurants because everything sells out quick for the seats and it was like let's at least just have a place to sit and get some pasta and so i just put my name you know called one of the random numbers put my name in and we show up and you follow them like down through a hallway through some corridor up some steps you're like where are they leading us to and it was some super cool cantina what what would you even stall. call it? It was it was like an old stall. We're in the center of town, so that's why it's also like you all of a sudden feel like you're in the and the steps the aren't the steps aren't even. You have to really uh-huh. watch yourself because they're not of the Big same stone. width or distance between the steps. And it was like yeah, the old cantina, like the deepest part, part of the yeah. under, under the building, and all stone and the big chunks of wood and it was just like what are we in this is so cool a little wet a little musty Uh um it is funny couple things one it's funny eating white truffles off paper plates of course i love that's my favorite part and (laughs) and um it is funny what you will accept for the experience because this was while the while the surroundings were like like really it wasn't comfortable like, no, the, like chairs the chairs doesn't <laughs> sit correctly because it's on these weird stone and everything's t- slightly wobbly yeah the table's too small the People- wine comes in old water bottles yeah yeah, uh-huh. yeah. which but it's there's a there's a comfort there's it's just kind of comfortable and it's you do it for the experience but um it's not like the it's not uh no, like, refined. not at all and then the one i take the guests to in aqualanya they have got it set up uh, finally, after years of just kind of getting rained out so much, they have done this huge covered food tent with um, like four, six or like six of the different local restaurants. And you walk up to their little stall in the tent and order and eat in there, which is great. And again, it's hilarious because everything is on the paper plates. Um, this is like almost more of like a, a not a beer house, but like what is that? Um, it's more like an enoteca that you no can no live. no the the feel like in um like Oktoberfest where it's like a big hall feel oh, yeah, and so yeah. there's just tons of people and everyone's drinking and eating and singing and it's a blast and since this year was uh, warm it oh, was these packed these were finally full. because after you know COVID there was no nothing that year and then kind of after the couple of years after COVID no. They weren't the same. Like, no one wanted to really invest money in it because they didn't know what was going on. Uh And this year finally felt like the towns made the investment. They got the word out. And it was packed. It was great. And then I went to one in Sant'Angelo with another set of guests. And this one, I did the same thing. Okay, let me just get a dinner reservation at one of these random restaurants so we just have a place to sit and have some pasta at least. And we go in and I was like, uh, guys, I don't know what this building is. I've never been in here before. Who knows what we're going to find upstairs. Let's, it's an adventure. Okay. (laughs) We go up, the doors open and all of a sudden they look at me. They're like, are you sure we're supposed to be here? Is this a wedding reception? It was in, for lack of a better term, like a palace in the city, like one of those old, a palazzo, like a beautiful high, high ceilings with frescoes on the ceilings um, and a restaurant from Fano on the coast 
took over this building and made it as like a pop-up restaurant on this floor. And it was stunning. And I was just jaw-dropped like there's the amouche bouche or whatever it's called. <laughs> what is it called? A moose bouche. Talking to like I know that's French. I know it is, but I just mean it was like the fancy like oh, all the different yes, little plates with exactly. all the night, all the forks. Oh, and here's something from the compliments of the chef as you sit down and all of this, and it was beautiful. But this one was so refined, I just kept cracking up because I was like, oh my god! Normally, you guys, we are in a basement cantina, <laughs> cold and cold wet, and wet. Still, however, oh, and most of these places. Um, have no bathroom. Thankfully, this place, they had a bathroom, um, but Sant'Angelo was terrible. You had to go, like, way to the center of the town to find some cafe that the bathroom was unlocked because there was, they got rid of all the porta-potties. However, Aqualanya on the bathroom, they do a good job. It's right outside of the tents, and the men have porta-potties, and they have a real restroom set up for the ladies there, which I like. <laughs> Side note. So those um, are important things. I know parking's always an issue. <laughs> Um, I have something to say about all of these, all of these uh, festivals. What? One thing is, every fifty meters is another asshole with headphones around his neck, blaring another DJ, playing oh. the most god awful techno music, and it's so they're so close to each other, and they try to outdo each. It's everyone dueling. has like a yeah, it's like dueling DJs. Everyone that you go to, it's the same. It, it's the same thing. It's like the DJ setup. They have the little revolving light and a little spotlight on him, and the and everything's got the like jizzy LED all over it. Whether it's a twenty something year old kid or I saw some got some people who are oh. way too old to be <laughs> yes. doing this. It's it's. I think they wanted to be disc jockeys. It's horrible, and it needs to stop. It's it's a little much. Well, the the. Beats of, of all the different shit going on clash with each other, and it just gives you a headache. Oh, yeah. Am I old? Is this me? Is, am I officially older? Am I just grumpy? Or is this what the – fine. Have an area but or have a couple of them, but we don't need one every 30 and to 50 so meters loud. and so loud. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. And no one likes – we were there at – we're not there at 11 o'clock at night. We're there at 5.30 in the afternoon. No, the average age of the person walking around is 69.5, 69 years and five months, pushing strollers and shit. No one wants to listen to this. No. Not at that hour. No. I understand after dinner, once the kids come out, they want to listen to this horrible, god-awful shit, let them. But why in the, why in the early evening? I don't know. They love it. They love it. Thankfully, <sighs> the Aqualanya one had like jazzy band playing and stuff and a little better that one was not the dueling djs because they just had one music set up at the uh little main piazza all the other ones it was dueling djs oh yeah oh yeah in uh, and a peccio tiny too i know (laughs) (laughs) you go around the corner you're like oh my god it's in my face um what else is going on uh we've now that the guests have checked out hilariously we do this without them um testing coffees yeah so um inflation in italy has hit hard this last year year and a half especially in fruits and vegetables insane prices and coffee coffee has gone up a lot Mm -hmm. and we would always get we've gotten for the last 15 years the same coffee cafe lavazza oro the gold one and it was the price to it was good quality coffee at a you know at a decent price mm-hmm. well now that's gone up to 
kind of the quality has gone down a little bit and the price has gone really up. So now we're to the point where for a few more euros, a, well, let's say 10 more euros a kilo, you can get the artisanal ones. So we contacted um, the supplier from Maki. We got all the good stuff we go that we want to get. We get it through Maki, the gelateria's contacts. They know good chocolate, good coffee, good nuts, good vanilla. vanilla. They, have the, they have the hook. They know the people to go to. They got a guy. They got a guy for everything. <laughs> so um, we've been trying out coffees. So first we tried out all the co- all these coffees from um, South and Central America. Mm-hmm. And one value. Valdez did not impress me very much. No. In the sense that they were lighter and I love coffee. So Yeah, but there was nothing that made us go, oh, oh okay, <laughs> that's good and that's worth it. Um, so we didn't get it and that we did that in the spring, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we didn't get anything for this summer. Then come the autumn, it's like, all right, let's try them out again. Let's try Africa. So we tried all the African coffees and there was one. Was it Ghana? No. No, Rwanda. Rwanda. Cafe Rwanda. It tastes like um, dried fruit and coffee and, and chocolate. chocolate. And it's it's really, really good. So you're coming out here this year for a stay in the spring or summer or autumn. You will have Cafe Rwanda this year. Exactly. I, um, very good. Very good. Ooh, good. Oh, good. Oh. It, rem- it, it makes me want to uh, hold the coffee cup with two hands by the fire. Well, and if you get the cream right, cream milk ratio right, it's kind of got the hot chocolatey taste to it because of that dark chocolatiness, and it's good. I would and call it's it, not acidic. No, it's very low on the oh the acidity wheel. So when you get into <laughs> all the and Kaji comes over and we're trying all these different stuff. I, He's everyone, like, what the hell? So we, we tried like eight different coffees. We got a little like 250 gram sampler of of these eight different coffees. And each one of them comes with a, you know, where it's the where it's from and how it's, it's origin story. Origin story. <laughs> <laughs> the altitude at which it's picked from. And then like this wheel that shows you like the flavor, flavor wheel. wheel. So I'm showing all this to God. She goes, I don't want this bullshit. You yeah. know, kind of get this bullshit out of here. But um, he agreed. He liked Hotel Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Very good. It was. It was. So. It's more of a winter coffee, though. We might have to think about one for the summer because it's a little heavy and a little, like, big for the summertime when True. it's so hot. We True. might want to get a second one that's not so – like a r- wine. You don't want a giant mm-hmm. red wine when it's uh, 100 degrees outside. This is true. You want a, something a little nicer and a little lighter and crisper. Mm-hmm. So w- maybe we'll get a second one for the summer. Yes, yes. We'll look, we'll do another tasting. Is that summer coffee? That's the big big talk around here. Uh, if that's anyone the big is talk. If anyone is still listening to this podcast, God bless you. I mean, I don't know. Oh, bless her heart. Why, bless your heart. Why people even listen to this drab as we go on and on? Um, here we'll save a good story for the end. Um, we were literally not invited to. to- make capoletti into christmas this year gachi rosada came over because uh they wanted to hang out with the dogs and hilariously side note gachi comes over and he wants to win over maggie's affection with um dog treats well thankfully they stopped with the potato chips and they bring over little like uh like these dried biscuity things like little dried toast things whatever and um not sweet and so he goes and instead of like breaking off a piece and handing it to a dog like you would think that's normal um he likes to take it in this handful of them crumble them up onto the ground into like 
um, sand. <laughs> Literally take his fist and just crush it into And then the... sprinkle it on the <laughs> all kitchen, over the kitchen all floor. over the kitchen floor. And then he goes, oh, wow, look at Maggie. She's so good. And it's like, oh, my God, old man, you are a doctor. That if is... I came over like, to your what? house and did, uh, first of all, I would never, ever do that. <laughs> Never, ever, ever, ever. So it's either oh one thing. God. One, he doesn't care. Or two, he's sending a message. Your floor is so is dirty. So dirty it doesn't cares. even matter. Rosanna came over. She went to do it. But she stopped him from doing it on the floor, which is his favorite place, um, and said, put it on the hearth. What are you, an animal? And I thought, oh, good. Next time he comes over, we'll Have put him it, do on it on the hearth. hearth. Because, yeah, there's already dust and... Yeah, and... from the fireplace. Nope. Next morning, first thing he comes over, pulls out from his pocket and just crumbles it all. Nice trail along the kitchen floor. So, anyway, they came over for a little aperitif or dinner one night. and To um, inform us. To inform us that, well... You now have another dog. I don't see how you have time. You're you're not obviously not coming to do the capoletti with us with the neighbors, which is a total tradition. And you're not coming to Christmas because that's a whole day in the car to Chitiri Castello over the hill and back, and you can't be gone from the house this long. So obviously, you guys aren't invited. <laughs> like it was so straightforward, cut and dry. I was like, Yeah, well, okay, okay. I was like, well, well, Do you way- guys want to come over for Christmas Eve? Ah! They're like, We've had so many invitations. It was hilarious. They're like, We have so many invitations. We have to figure out what we're doing. <laughs> But also, it's dodgy to bullet that Christmas Day drive with Gaji. So Gaji, so we drive over the hill, which is all over the Apennines, which is all turns the whole way. It's probably about thirty kilometers. It's climbing and turning, climbing and turning, and then you get to the top and you descend and turn. Um, going there is okay because it's 11 o'clock in the morning and no one's had anything to drink. Coming home, it gets dark early. It's 5.36 in the evening and Gaji just had Christmas, ended the ended Christmas lunch with a lot of whiskey. And his eyesight, eyesight is in, questionable already. Yeah, his, and, it's, and it gets worse at night. I would say it gets more dangerous at night. So the windows are fogged up. We are going over the path. Like, this is what the, uh, like the um, time, like, uh, the lifetime movie of the week kind of thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. The, the Killed pa- on Christmas. Killed on Christmas. Absolutely. <laughs> he just, he speeds up on the straight parts and then breaks hard and goes real slow around the corners. Or he misjudges it because he can't tell the distance very well. So we go into the corner too fast, kind of throwing us outside. And then, kind of and, then and then breaks hard and then comes back in. Either way, it's you just cross your fingers. And I know, and we're both just like wide-eyed in the back seat, like, oh my god, <sighs> what we've taken our hands, our life into our own hands again. So bullet dodge, but also hilariously and a uninvited. Sad. And a little I sad. I know, but he is right. This dog, this dog does not have the the little bladder strength. Okay, the big, the Great Dane has a, we call him bucket bladder. That guy can go 24 hours without peeing. And when he does let it all go in one spot, it's impressive. She has a bladder the size of a thimble. Mm -hmm. Every two and a half to three hours, this dog needs to pee. And it's like, that's what we went outside for? Your little three drops of tinkle? So she's not wrong in the sense that she can't stay more than two or three hours. And Christmas is an eight, Christmas lunch is eight hours solid Mm -hmm. commitment. We... We entertained a couple weekends ago, which was fine. I like the people who came over. But let me tell you, it started at noon, and they left at 7.30 in the evening. I like the... 
again, I like them. But if you're going to have a seven, eight-hour commitment, I need to know ahead of time. We could have stopped it at three and a half or four. And Part of everyone... the problem could have been your wife. Yeah, but... Oof. I was having a great time. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Jason's like, can we wrap it up? Play the wrap it up music from the Oscars. Yeah, we can't go into like everyone's looking around for now dinner because it's <laughs> uh, it's like bedtime soon. The dogs have to be like it's time for the dogs to go to bed. Eight hours is a little much. It is. It is. But uh, other than that, our lives are wake up, feed animals, um, clean. Um, prepare lunch prepare lunch maybe get a little time to sit down for a minute and then everyone wants to be walked fed and put back down again we don't do and a it lot. seriously feels like young parents uh like new parents i should say in the sense of then by the time everyone's finally gone to bed by eight o'clock you're just exhausted yeah and technically we didn't really get much of anything done throughout the day so you should be able to like you're up and Put in a good two hours of something, and it's like, let's just turn on old Law and & Order and fall asleep. <laughs> I, wish we, I wish we had um, great stories of going to the Christmas markets I in the know. north and cutting down a Christmas tree. And Which is what we wanted to do. All the things going on in Italy, but honestly, uh, I... Oh, well, honestly, here's what we're doing um, to suffice that. <laughs> it's, um, I love... Mr. Snowplow, P-L-O-W. It is a YouTube channel of a guy up in the Alps. There's a couple of them, but this guy, I like his videos the best. Um, No words, just the hum of the motor and sometimes the beep of the reverse. And he's plowing fresh snow in the Alps in these beautiful roads, either first thing in the morning or super late at night. And I just kind of get hypnotized by that. Ashley's watching snowplow videos. Just, I, just, I come in and it's like, what are you watching? I said, I took a nap on the couch. He goes, there's nothing to even hear. I go, just, it was the sound of the, the truck. I was like, it was great. I fell right to sleep. Jeez. So we're stuck at home with the animals. And uh, especially once the pigs get slaughtered, then maybe late in the winter, we'll do a little trip and have someone come over and watch the dogs. But for now, we're here. So if you got through the last 57 minutes and you're still there, God oh, bless bravi. you. Oh, Thank you very much. Bring it home. Um, you know where to find us, latavolamarque.com. If you're looking for a holiday, L-A-T-A-V-O-L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. And Instagram, Twitter, all the animals have their own pages. So we got, the, you know, everyone, it's ridiculous out here. But um, at latavolamarque, you can find us for everything. All right. Thanks for listening. We will... I have no idea. No, I know. So, Buon Natale. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Um, happy St. Patrick's Day. Who knows when we'll do it again, but hopefully in an, a few weeks. If We'll have absolutely nothing new to talk about. Unless something great happens. Unless something great happens. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, guys. Ciao, ciao. Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. 
and we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.